rejecting the covenant and the God of the covenant will eventually lead a person to a place of stubbornness, hardness of heart, and then to destruction. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach continues his teaching series on How Does God Say I Love You? Today's message is part four, Violation of the Covenant. Father, thank you that you love us so much that you've given us your word, your word which is a teacher to help us and instruct us in the way in which we should go. As we open it this morning, I pray for each of us here that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you would have us hear and see this day. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen. Please be seated. This morning is the fourth in a series of sermons we're sharing on the covenants of God. And just to kind of help you out for the sermon, we're going to be preaching from two texts. You may want to mark your Bibles so that you can turn to them quickly. Second Chronicles 36, which we just heard read, and then Jeremiah chapter 21. So Second Chronicles 36 and Jeremiah 21. His name was Zedekiah. He was 32 years old. He'd been king for 11 years, having become king at age 21. Zedekiah, can you say that? Zedekiah. I want you to remember Zedekiah. Zedekiah was now in the fight for his life. His very kingdom and his life is at stake. The enemy is knocking at the gates of Jerusalem, and he may not make it. How did he get in this mess? How did Zedekiah end up like this? Zedekiah is in a long list of kings who descended from David, the king of Israel. David had built the kingdom or the nation of Israel. He'd solidified the 12 tribes into a unified nation, and under his leadership, Israel became a great nation. At the foundation of David's success laid his commitment to the God and to the covenant God had given with his people. He made God his priority. He made God's priorities his priorities. David failed often, as the scriptures tell us. But as David's life demonstrates, God is interested in one who seeks first the kingdom of God. And when he sins, repents and returns to the Lord. As the covenant required, David had the people offer sacrifices to fulfill the requirements of making atonement for the sins of the people. He knew that unless their sin was atoned for, that death would come upon the land and upon the people, for the wages of sin is death. Oh, when David died, his son Solomon became king, and then he built and dedicated the temple of the Lord. This temple was a place that the people were to gather to worship God. God was to be present in this temple. And the people were to come and to offer their sacrifices to the priest who would then offer that sacrifice as an atonement for their sins. Now Solomon, through his God-given wisdom, becomes the most prosperous and successful king the world had known. He has military power. He has fame. People come from all over the world to meet with him, to seek his counsel, to seek his guidance. He lives in incredible luxury, and he was a writer. 
The book of Proverbs, most of that's attributed to Solomon. But wealth, riches, power, and women eventually turn his heart from God. He has a midlife crisis. And the book of Ecclesiastes is a self-description of Solomon's midlife turmoil. At the end of the book, he concludes his, his struggle with this. This is Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Well, Solomon reigns for 40 years. And then his son, Rehoboam, becomes the king. Now, Rehoboam is not a faithful person like David or Solomon was. He breaks covenant with God. And because he breaks covenant, the nation divides into two kingdoms what we now call the northern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Judah. And so begins a long series of kings who either fail to observe the covenant or those who decide to obey the covenant and to keep it. Those who rebel against the covenant bring curses upon themselves. And those who obey and keep the covenant bring God's blessing upon their lives. Now, these are all Zedekiah's ancestors. Remember him? Death is at the door. We're going to talk more about him in a minute. But he had some incredible ancestors with tremendous reputations. Jehoshaphat, Joash, Jotham, Hezekiah, and Zedekiah's father, Josiah. All men were great kings for God. Well, Zedekiah doesn't know what to do. He's in an impossible situation. He needs help. Rather than calling on God, he sends an envoy to Egypt to ask for help. Israel had been in a relationship with Egypt ever since Zedekiah's father, Josiah, got killed fighting the Egyptians. By the way, Zedekiah's father was an incredible chap. Very interesting guy. He became king when he was eight years old. Think about that a minute. You're eight years old and you become the king of the land. He inherited a land and a people who had rebelled and forgotten about the God of Israel. The land was full of idols, idols to Baal or Baal, and the female counterpart to Baal, which is Asherah. Well, after eight years, when Josiah was 16 years old, he begins to seek the God of his ancestor, David. By the time he's 20, he realizes that all the foreign gods and idols must go, so he orders them to be destroyed throughout the country. Six years later, he's 26, and he orders his workers to repair the temple of God because it had been neglected and fallen into disrepair. And they're cleaning out the junk in the temple. And the workers find the book of the covenant, which God had given to Moses. Remember, we talked about that last week. Exodus 20 to 23. He'd never read it. And after hearing the words read to him, he tears his clothes as a sign of humility and penitence before the Lord. Josiah then calls all the people together and he has the book of the covenant read to them. 
And they all pledge to keep the covenant. They all celebrated Passover. They committed themselves to God and they committed themselves that his priorities would be their priorities. They offer animal sacrifices for atonement for their sins. This is Zedekiah's heritage. This is what he grew up with. They had a spiritual revival in the land and that's how he was raised. But he's in a real mess now. Zedekiah has turned his back on God and his covenant. He's rejected his daddy's religion. As the text tells us, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and then he also ignores the pleas of God's preacher on the scene, who is Jeremiah. Look at 2 Chronicles 36, verse 12. Well, we'll start with 11. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, his God, and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke the word of the Lord. So he did evil, he wouldn't humble himself. Then he violated a sacred oath with King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 13. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him take an oath in God's name. So he's taking this sacred oath and he violates it. He rejects it. And then look what happens. He became stiff-necked and hardened his heart and would not turn to the Lord, the God of Israel. He rebelled. And when you rebel, you become stiff-necked. No one's going to tell me what to do. And then he became hardened in his heart. And then look what happens. Furthermore, all the leaders of the priest and the people became more and more unfaithful following all the detestable practices of the nations defiling the temple of the Lord which he had consecrated in Jerusalem Zedekiah's rebellion not only affects him but it affects all the people it's now the year 588 B.C. Zedekiah is in Jerusalem and Jerusalem's under attack Jeremiah had warned him, but he was stubborn, and he wouldn't listen. Now he's desperate, so he sends a message to Jeremiah. And we pick this up in Jeremiah chapter 21. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent to him Pashur, son of Mechajah, and the priest uh, Zephaniah, son of Messiah, They said, inquire now for the Lord for us because Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is attacking us. Perhaps the Lord will perform wonders for us as in all times past so that he will withdraw from us. They're doing their own thing. They're rejecting God. They're making a mockery of everything about the Lord. And now they're asking, well, maybe God will do a miracle for us. He'll rescue us. But look what Jeremiah says, or the Lord says through them. Verse 3. But Jeremiah answered them, Tell Zedekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am about to turn against you the weapons of war that are in your hands, which you are using to fight the king of Babylon and the Babylonians who are outside the wall, besieging you. And I will gather them inside this city. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand. 
and a mighty arm in anger and fury and great wrath. I will strike down those who live in this city, both men and animals, and they will die of a terrible plague. After that, declares the Lord, I will hand over Zedekiah, king of Judah, his officials, and the people in this city who survived the plague, sword, and famine, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Israel, and to their enemies who seek their lives. He will put them to the sword. He will show them no mercy or pity or compassion. Zedekiah is going to reap what he's sown. Those outside the walls will be inside the walls. God himself, he says, is actually going to fight against Zedekiah. And those in the city will die. But God's word to him doesn't stop there. Look at verse 8. Furthermore, tell the people, this is what the Lord says. See, I'm setting before you the way of life and the way of death. Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, or plague. But whoever goes out and surrenders to the Babylonians who are besieging, you will live. He will escape with his life. I have determined to do this city harm and not good, declares the Lord. It will be given into the hands of the king of Babylonia. And he will destroy it with fire. It will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon and he will destroy it with fire. That's the background for today's text from 2 Chronicles 36. For two years, Jerusalem is besieged. Supplies and travel to and from the city are cut off. In 586 B.C., the city is destroyed. And that's what we hear in 2 Chronicles 36, starting with verse 17. He brought up against them the king of the Babylonians who killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary and spared neither young men or young women, old men or aged. God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. He carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God, both large and small, and the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials. They set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the places and destroyed everything of value there. Those who listened to Jeremiah's words came out of the city, were taken into exile, back to the place of Abraham's father, which we heard about a few weeks ago, the land of the Chaldeans. Zedekiah and those who remained in the city were destroyed. The temple, God's sacred place, was destroyed by fire. The walls were broken down, and everything of value was taken back to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. The Lord keeps His covenant. Our God is a covenant God, and He keeps His covenant. What happened to Zedekiah and those people were because they did not keep the covenant they had made with their God. Do you notice how the text ends today? Seventy years later, a new king comes on the scene. His name's Cyrus. He's the king of Persia. Look at verse 23. This is what Cyrus, the king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, now this is a non-Jew. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people among you 
may the Lord his God be with him and let him go up. He orders a new temple to be built in Jerusalem and then he lets the people go. This is what the next book of the Bible is all about, Ezra. And the next book of the Bible after Ezra is Nehemiah and that's about the rebuilding of the walls. God is a covenant God, and he'd made a covenant with the people at Mount Sinai, which we saw last week. And when the people obeyed, they were blessed. But when they disobeyed, they brought curses down upon themselves. Ultimately, the people were restored to the land to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. God keeps his covenant. So what's the significance of all this to us? Well, the first is obvious. The Lord keeps his covenant. He's a covenant God. And those of us who think that we can just mock him or make fun of him or um, ignore him, one day we'll understand that he is a covenant God. Secondly, as participants of the new covenant, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, you and I can have assurance of the forgiveness of our sins and redemption in him because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, the sacrifice that he made. Third, rejecting the covenant and the God of the covenant will eventually lead a person to a place of stubbornness, hardness of heart, and then to destruction. That's what happened to Zedekiah. He rebelled. He became stiff-necked, stubborn, hardened of heart, and eventually he was destroyed. This morning in my devotional time, my time with the Lord, I was reading in Hebrews chapter 3, and this is the verse I read, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Isn't that what happens? We we get rebellious and we say, I'm going to do it my way. And the next thing you know, you're stiff-necked, your hearts become hard. And if you continue in that way, it leads to destruction. The fourth thing that I think we can learn from this is fortunately God will try again and again to get our attention and draw us back to himself. I don't know if you caught that in 2 Chronicles 36, 15. It says, The Lord, the God of their father, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. The Lord is going to seek to get our attention, seek to draw us back to him again and again and again. But the problem is we become hardened. And you get to a place where the Lord's calling and you can't even hear him. And then the fifth one, which I think is probably the most important application we could probably take from today. You may have a godly father or mother, but your relationship with God is not based on their relationship with God. It's between you and God. Zedekiah's father was a godly man, and he did incredible things for the Lord. But it didn't help Zedekiah. Each of us has to come to God ourselves. God only has children. He doesn't have grandchildren. And we can't live our faith based on somebody else's faith. 
God desires relationship with each of us. He's given us these covenants as a way to build that relationship. And the people of Israel of the Old Testament found out quickly that when they desired to live it apart from God, it brought disaster on their lives because God is a covenant of God. He will bless you if you obey him. But if you disobey, it leaves us to the consequences of our sin. Now, fortunately, in a couple of weeks, we're going to hear the good news about the new covenant and what God has done for us in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the example of Zedekiah. Although it's heartbreaking to hear how his life turned out, you've shown us how easy it is to stray, even when we have godly influences all around us. I pray for each person here, Lord, that you would help us all tune our hearts to you, cultivate our relationship with you, and be the people you've called us to be. This is our prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. If you're listening today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, the Lord is is drawing you to Him. I want to invite you to open yourself to Him, to open your heart to invite him to come and and live in your life. It's really a simple prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've messed up, and I ask your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I want you to come and live in my life. So I invite you. I open myself to you. Come and indwell me in your presence. It's not a difficult prayer, but it has to be a sincere prayer. It has to be something that you intend to do and follow up on. And perhaps I'm speaking to somebody as well today who is a believer, and you're not where God wants you to be. Are you straight off the path? Are you living in disobedience or in sin right now, and you know it's wrong? Or he's asked you to do something, and and you refuse to do it. Why not today say, yes, Lord? Why not today do what he wants you to do or stop doing what he doesn't want you to do and get your life right to him life's too short it goes by so quick today is the day of salvation today is the day the lord wants to speak to you to bless you to guide you to strengthen you and this is my prayer for you this day and the whole reason we at a word from the lord broadcast this radio program is that god might speak into your life that you might be the person he's called you to be That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. 
You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A Word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking A Word from the Lord.